Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. A reading from 2 Corinthians, chapter 8, beginning with verse 7. Hear these words. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I'm testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I am giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something. Now finish doing it, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to the what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Thank you for that glorious music this morning, and I know that the offertory this morning was, and can it be, is a special uh, request that will be sung at the service that will celebrate the life of Lyndall DeJarnett, and that will be next Sunday at 3 p.m., so I hope that you can be here for those of you who knew him, and what a glorious man and uh, saint of the church that he was. Well, tomorrow, Ted and I, Ted is my husband, Ted and I, we'll be celebrating our 29th wedding anniversary. (laughs) And that's not why I did it, because usually I should probably be celebrating 30th, but that'll be a whole different ball of wax. But uh, tomorrow, tomorrow we'll be celebrating our 29th wedding anniversary. And I have to admit that those first years went by really fast. They went by really fast with moves and with children. And before we realized it, we were celebrating one of our anniversaries in Roswell, Georgia. It was just Ted and me, and we, our two boys were at home with my mom, and we were so glad we went out for dinner, and we were so glad to be alone, so glad to be able to have conversation without being interrupted. There's no squirming in the chairs, no wondering when are we gonna be done yet, none of that. We were able to enjoy this wonderful meal together. And over the course of the evening, we indulged. Yes, we indulged in, we had it all, appetizers, beverages, a salad, a main course, and yes, a delectable, delectable dessert with coffee. 
We ate every morsel slowly and with gratitude. It was as we were finishing up our dinner and eagerly awaiting to make the decision for our dessert that the meal was interrupted by two familiar faces. And these were two faces from two members of the church where I was serving at the time as an associate minister. They had stopped by. They saw us sitting there having a meal. They wanted to come and say hello. They said it was one of their very favorite restaurants, asked how we liked it. We said we loved it. It was wonderful. We told them that it was our anniversary. They wished us happy anniversary. And then off they went. And so we had our dessert and we waited for our waiter to return with the bill. And he didn't come back to the table. So Ted got up, went to see about our check, and the waiter came over and said, oh, I'm so sorry, uh, your bill has been taken care of. Happy anniversary. Yes, we were stunned. What do you mean, I asked. <laughs> well, ma'am, there's nothing, nothing to take care of. It's been taken care of for you. Well, what about the tip? Well, the tip has been taken care of for you as well. Well, who did this? Who did this? Well, I don't know, ma'am, but have a wonderful evening. <laughs> and off the waiter went. Of course, the first thought was that it was the couple that had stopped by the table from the church. Surely it must have been them. I mean, why would they do such a thing? Why would they do such a thing? And then I got embarrassed. I got embarrassed thinking, oh my goodness, I know that bill was a lot of money. In fact, I'm sure that put a dent in our budget. And I got embarrassed because, you know, if I'd known somebody was paying for it, I probably wouldn't have had every course that you could possibly have on the menu. But we did. So when Sunday came around, I sought out this couple like a lion on the prowl. And I found them and I said, thank you so much. The other night for the dinner, you didn't have to do that. And of course, they responded with this blank look on their face. And they said, well, we don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, have I just put my foot in my mouth? Because I don't want to thank them and make them feel bad for an anniversary dinner that they may not have paid for for us. And so I backed up very quickly and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I must have been mistaken. Forgive me. And that was it, and we were done. They smiled, they acted like nothing had happened, and that was it. But I have to admit, it bothered me. It bothered me, who would do such a thing, and then when confronted it, they wouldn't even admit it, assuming that they had done it. It had to be them. Who else could it have been? I never found out, actually, who paid for that dinner, but I'm pretty sure it was that couple. I'm pretty sure it was that couple. And you might ask, why? Why do I think that it was that couple. Who would do such a thing? Well, because they were known for being generous. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be known for, to be generous? And not just generous with their financial gifts, but with their time. They were always willing to help out and they never asked for anything in return. And it was only several years later that I had heard that they had done the same for other people. They would be out, they would see people eating and they would pick up their bill. They would be the first people who would write a check for kids who wanted to go on a mission trip. They would be the first to write a check if anybody needed any help with their rent or their bills or anything like that. And every year, they faithfully turned in their commitment card and honored it. But more importantly, 
If you knew them, you wouldn't be surprised. You wouldn't be surprised because their generosity was rooted inside of them. It was in their heart. And I'm guessing if they didn't have money to spare, they still would have given in some other ways because it was so rooted in their heart to to give. And if they had money to give, they would give it. If they had time to give, they would give it. They gave of themselves. It's who they are. This weekend, we have remembered many people. We have remembered the victims of the 9-11 attacks. And if you've watched any of the harrowing stories of heroism, they are incredible. I am awestruck by those who have given their lives to save someone, knowing that they were going to lose their own life. Whether you've read about it or you saw the footage of it, it's absolutely extraordinary. And if they were here to give their testimony, I'm guessing that their response would be, it's who they are. It's who they are. For those who might be joining us for the first time today, we continue our sermon series, Why? And we've been asking a lot of questions these many weeks about why, especially as it relates to the church, especially as it relates to the, you know, our faith. You know, why should we come to church? Why should we worship? Why should we engage in Sunday school? Why should we pray? Why should we engage in Christian community? And today, lucky you, why give? Why give? Now, before you decide to head out the door, you can't, you can't leave quite yet, and thinking that this sermon is only about financial giving and that we're just going to ask for money, I want you to consider for a moment what it means to be generous. And who comes to mind when you think about generosity? What does it mean to be generous with our time, with our gifts, and with our resources? Jesus had an awful lot to say about generosity, and so too did the Apostle Paul. In our scripture this morning, in his letter to the church at Corinth, Paul is encouraging the church to give to what is known as the Jerusalem offering. There was an agreement of a division of labor which was worked out with Peter and James and John who were responsible for the mission to the Jews and with Paul and Barnabas who were responsible with the mission to the Gentiles. The danger here was perpetuating two different churches, one who might be loyal to one without being loyal to the other. And the agreement was then for Paul and Barnabas the one uniting component in their giving was to remember the poor. Remember the poor. It's not unlike what we do today in the United Methodist Church when we have a special offering and we all give. It's a global offering. It's also where our apportionments go. It's a global effort so that we're all united in our giving to remember the poor. The Jerusalem offering is very important to Paul. In fact, he's willing to die for it. That's how important unity in the church is to Paul. But what's interesting about the church at Corinth is that they had already started an offering earlier, and it petered out. The interest had waned in the offering. And Paul wants to pick this energy back up. He wants to encourage them to continue to give, and he wants to see it to its completion, and he wants them to see it to completion. To complete it would be honoring the commitment that they had made. 
Paul boasts about the churches that have already given, and those that have given have been those who have struggled, those who are suffering, those who don't have the means, but still they have given to this offering. But the Corinthian church is a wealthy church, but instead of giving, it has tightened its purse strings, even though they have so much opportunity to give. But that's how it is sometimes, isn't it? When you have known need or you have known poverty and you've known what it's like to go without, sometimes those are the individuals who are the first to write the check. They're the first to give of their time. They're the first to give because they know that even just a little bit can go such a long way and can mean so much to so many people. When it comes to giving, especially money, it can be a touchy subject. Paul recognizes this. He knows this. And so he makes his case according to what one has, not what one does not have, giving ought not to be a hardship, but rather a response to one's faith and what is in one's heart. The Lord, after all, loves a cheerful giver. But Paul doesn't hold back any punches here when he gives his example of why one ought to give. It's important that one give for the unity of the church, but be eager and be generous, he says, because of the generous act of Jesus Christ, the generous act of Jesus Christ who became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. Because everything that you have, everything that we have comes from God. I read somewhere recently that the poor among us in our community serve as reminders to us to be generous. They are our opportunities to give. Oh, I know it sounds a bit like Paul is, is trying to guilt the Corinthians, and maybe it sounds like I'm trying to guilt you into giving, but I think what Paul is trying to do here is to encourage them to remember what Jesus has done for them, and their generosity is a response to what Christ has done for them. When we think of generosity and giving, naturally our first thought is of money. How could it not be? But again, as I've said, generosity is not about money or about how much money you do or you don't have. It's about faith and it's about the cultivation of having a heart like Jesus. It is the generosity of giving one's self. So whether we give of our time or we give of our financial resources, in effort we are giving as Jesus would give. When we look at Jesus' ministry, he did challenge the wealthy to not be attached to their treasures, instead to seek treasures that are in heaven. Jesus spent time helping the poor, the downtrodden. It's where he taught about the kingdom of heaven. It's where he offered healing and grace and compassion, and he showed what love looks like. Freely you have received, freely you give. This is what he tells his disciples as he sends them out two by two into the villages to minister. Freely you have received and freely you give. Now, I'll be honest, I can't help but think of the church today. And the question that has arisen for many is why give? Why give? Why keep giving to the church? Maybe you've not been a regular attender at the church during COVID and you figure, well, I'll start giving when I come back regularly. Or maybe you think that the church has cut back on its programming and the church doesn't really need any money. Or maybe you've decided to close your purse strings because there's something about the church you don't like. 
Or maybe it's something about the conference that you don't like, or something about the United Methodist Church that you don't like. Withholding our time, withholding our gifts, withholding our resources, it only hurts this church. It hurts Marietta first. And it weakens our witness in the community and in the world. Here in the United Methodist Church, we pay apportionments. There's a misunderstanding about apportionments. For every dollar that goes towards apportionments or every dollar that the church has, 85 cents to every dollar stays in the local church. Six cents goes to benevolent giving. Two cents goes to general apportionments and seven cents goes to jurisdiction, annual, and districts. When we withhold our giving, it prevents us from doing ministry right here in our community, and it prevents us from remembering the poor. (laughs) My friends, the church is working harder than it's ever worked. We've not cut our ministries. They've changed. They've not been cut. We've not cut our work hours. The staff is working longer than they've ever worked. We continue with teaching classes. Wednesday family programming has begun. Our senior adult program, we have our children, our youth, our young adult, our senior programming, our music ministry for our families. We continue to do the work of the church with Good Samaritan, feeding the poor on Thursdays, helping those in need. We continue to partner with community outreach in our communities as well. If there was ever a time to be generous, it's now when there is the greatest need in our world. And if we close our purse strings, we are hindering the kingdom of God in this place. Look around you on this campus. What a beautiful campus that we have here at Marietta First. My in-laws just moved here and they couldn't believe that the property started all the way at the corner there at Polk and comes all the way here to Whitlock. That's your church? Well, it's not my church, but it's where I go to church, right? It's our church. It's our church. It's what we do together. And we can do this and we can worship in this place because of the generosity of others. And it's those who have honored their commitment when they join the church to be loyal to Jesus Christ through Marietta First United Methodist Church and be loyal to Jesus who became poor so that by his poverty we might all become rich. It's about having a generosity of spirit. I've always been surprised by generosity Not because people give, because we have many people in our church who are generous, and we have many people in our community who are generous. But because, I'm surprised, because of those whose hearts are so filled with the love of Christ that they give of themselves because it's all they know to do. It is a response of their love of Christ. It's like Barbara Jenkins Maybe you've met her or someone like her. Fred Craddock said that he'll never forget the day that he met Barbara Jenkins when she walked into the room. It was at a reception 
of some sort, you know, one of those receptions that has a punch bowl, has a little bowl of salted peanuts, maybe some mints. It's got those little triangular sandwiches of, of pimento cheese and tuna fish and maybe some ham, but you can, you'd have to eat a whole lot in order to get yourself full. It's those, one of those gatherings where you stand around having a lot of conversation, but you're not really saying anything important. Could use some rain. Yeah, I need some more rain. It's pretty hot too, cooling off pretty close to fall now. Now, how about that game? Did you watch the game? Did you watch the Georgia game? And then Barbara Jenkins walks in. There was something about the room that changed when she came in. Who's Barbara Jenkins? That's Barbara? Yeah, yeah, that's Barbara Jenkins. Barbara Jenkins spends her time writing letters and making calls and going and seeing folk to make a difference in the way they treat juvenile Defender, offenders in the community. Night and day, seven days a week, she worries the authorities to death with her letters and her concerns. And someone asks her, you enjoy doing that? Well, not really. You get paid? Are you on a salary? No, no. You must have children in trouble. Is that why you're doing this? Is, no, no. So why in the world are you doing this? It's not fun. You're not making money. <laughs> and none of your friends are doing it. Why are you doing this? And her response, I have to. You ask the question, why give? Well, I think only you know the answer to that. Only you know what is in your heart. Only you know what it is that you have to do. Oh, and by the way, the Corinthian church, it did complete its offering, and Paul did take it to Jerusalem for the poor. Seems they remembered why it is important to give after all. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.